This morning, I've decided to take you and I on a journey, not one that gets us from one point to another, but one that will cause us to follow Jesus as he leads us to a greater relationship with God. And you go, what do you mean, Pastor? How would you follow Jesus to a greater relationship with God? Well, you know the revelation that God's given me. I've shared this with you 101 times, that Jesus did not come to be God. Jesus came because of God. That God sent his son to reconcile us back to the Father. There is a problem in the church culture today where we solely depend upon Jesus because we do not desire a relationship with the Father. And the reason we don't desire a relationship with the Father is because the Father tells you what to do. See, here's the truth of it. I have an older brother. If my older brother calls me and tells me how to be a good husband to my wife, I just look at him and go, whatever, dude, shut up. If my older brother calls me and tells me how to be a good dad to my four children, I look at him and go, whatever, dude, you only have two, shut up. Because he's only my older brother. The Bible says that Jesus came as the elder brother. And before you get lost in this where you say, well, is he, is he separating the Trinity? No, it is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But the Bible says that God sent his son with the ministry of reconciliation. If you understand Jewish culture, it was the elder brother's responsibility to retrieve the brother or the sister that ran away. And we as people ran away from God. And so God says, I love them so much that not only is this the way the culture is, but it is my heart. So I will send myself in flesh form. Why? Because we understood that if the brother retrieves us, we're going back home. I've learned over the years that we have walked away from a desire of a relationship with God. You've read, you've read our mission, the house slide L, love God, love people. How do we get to God? Jesus. And what I've learned over the years is that there's many scriptures, there's about nine of them in the Bible that says, Jesus says, I am. And when I read these scriptures, the scriptures that he declares or the statements that he makes is all his position to get us back to the Father. Why is it that we have, we have just become complacent and comfortable in Jesus rather than a desire to be sons and daughters of God? Why is it that we've, we've because, because it's easier to swallow. And when the brother tells you don't do something, you go, ah, whatever. But when daddy tells you something, there is a desire to please the father. See, and I've learned this because I, I think I figured out how to break sin. The reason we keep falling back into sin is because we're just trying to please the brother. But when you really walk away from sin, it pleases the father. And in this culture where fatherlessness is a problem, we've got to find our way back home. Jesus came to lead us to a greater relationship with God. But how many of you in this place really know who Jesus is? In today's Christian culture, we tend to be following somebody we know nothing about. Well, we heard about this person named Jesus. We heard about what he's done. And, and, and you know, people have told me that they, get, they feel better when they start living for Jesus. So let me try that because I just want to feel better. I just want something to be different. I, I just want a moment. I want the pressure to come off. And I want life to happen again. And I, I want to smile again. And let me help with something. All those things happen with God. But those are not the reason he came. And so many people in the church, they say they follow Jesus, but don't even really know who Jesus is. We've heard the stories. We know who he was, what he did. But who he is is not limited to the old stories, but bound to the eternal life with the Father that he has come to lead us into. He's come to bring us home. But we don't follow him home because, truth be told, we really don't even know who he is. He's a fictional character in a book that we call the Bible that most people don't even read, but yet call themselves Christians and believers. 
We hold on to a book because the church says get a Bible and we bring it to church and leave it closed while the sermon is preached. And when we go home and we know that there's something in that book that can change us, we don't even know where to turn to because we're not even trying to get to know him. We just want to know him. What we want to know is not the person, not the change, not the deliverance, not the freedom, not the redemption. What we want to know is how will he fix me? How will he change me? How will he give me what I want? How will he take away my sadness? How will he fix that person who keeps attacking me? How will he, how will he do it for me? Because truth be told, in the culture today, this is how we live our lives. What will the world give me next? Instead of, I worship him because of who he is. If we don't know who we are following, then how do we know where we're going? It's amazing to me how many believers come to church but have no idea whether they'll spend in an eternity or hell. Today, it's time for you and I to truly know who Jesus is so that we can finally get to a greater relationship with God. I started looking at this statement of knowing him, knowing, knowing who Jesus is. And in today's culture, that we operate in two areas excuse me, of knowing someone. And unfortunately, we tend to be more one side than the other. Psychologists define these two ways as this, impersonal knowledge and personal knowledge. Impersonal knowledge is to have a knowledge of information without connection. Acquaintance. Ah, here's a better one. Facebook friends. <laughs> Pastor, I got 300 Facebook friends. No, you got two. You just got a bunch of stalkers. You got two that really care about you, and the other 298 people are waiting for you to fail. They're not friends. You have knowledge of them because you see their posts on social media, but you don't know the ins and outs of their lives. Let me, can I just say this to you? We have become a dumbed-down culture. We don't take time to invest in other people anymore. We just take time to surf the Internet to find out vicariously what they're doing. And the only time we comment to them is when they're going through a struggle rather than celebrating them when everything's going well. This is how we live our lives today. Have you, have you, go to the restaurant next time you sit down at a table and look around the room and count how many people are sitting across the table but on their cell phones. And before you get offended by me saying that, maybe you need to stop. I'm breaking children of that foolishness right now. Apple came out with this magic thing called screen time. You know what that means? Limit, turn it off, shut it down. Why? Because I want to talk to my kids. I want to know what they're doing. I want to be involved in their lives. My wife and I have to sit down and go, put the phone up. Why? Because it's easier to be involved in everyone else's life than the one that you're in right now. We have impersonal knowledge, impersonal knowledge, impersonal knowledge is to have knowledge of information without connection, just acquaintances. Those are not friends. Those are people that will pass you by, and they might say hi to you, and they might not say hi to you. Then you have personal knowledge, and that is the desire to know, not desiring the information, but pursuing a relationship. When was the last time you pursued God? This sounds eerily quiet in here when I ask that question, because most of us think we're pursuing God, but truth be told, we're just pursuing moments. We're just pursuing the feel-good of a church experience. We don't really know God. Do we really know what he thinks about us? Do we really know his plans for us? Do we really know that he had no desire for, for us to die in the midst of our stuff but had promises and blessings? And do you know what those blessings are? And can you divide between which ones are God and which ones are the world's to keep you in the world? 
Because so many people say finances are the blessing. That's what I've been chasing. But the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. It's amazing to me what we chase and we call God. And the reason we call it God is because we don't know God. We don't know his plans for us. Listen, this morning I woke up in his plan. You want to know how I know that? I was able to breathe. I woke up this morning knowing who I was. Why? Because... I was able to breathe. I have another day ahead of me. I don't need to have material items. I I have God and I have a promise and he has a plan for my life. And there is a a calling and a gifting on my life to to preach the gospel and to declare his good news to the earth. And and, and this is what I live for. And this, this is how I know this. And even through the struggles of existence, I still have a promise. And I still know where I'm going because I know him. See, you only get lost in the pains of this life when you forget to find out who the one is that delivers you from the pain. It's like this morning, I got up this morning and I went to take the medication I have to take every morning for my heart and, and I was out of a pill that I needed and, and it's one I really need. And of course, the enemy comes in and goes, you're going to have a bad day. And, and I go, no, that's a lie from the pit of hell, especially this morning because I got mission to do. And, and, and so I'm walking through the bedroom and I sit down on the bed for a second and my son comes and sits next to me. And, and my, my heart's kind of, it's, there's a little bit of a pain across my chest. And I'm going, ah, not today, not today. And I, and I get in the car and I don't say this out loud, but in my own breath, underneath my own thoughts, I began to say this, God, this is not my day, it's your day. And you rose me up this morning to declare your works. How in God's green earth could I die today? How in God's green earth could my heart stop working today? No, baby, this is not the day. This is the day the Lord has made. And if I choose to rejoice and be glad in it, then he will move the mountains that are in front of me. See, this is what I'm trying to help you understand, is that we do not know God. We just know of God. Pastor, how do you, how do you declare that in those moments? Sometimes it gets so tough because... Tough is a relative word. What's tough to me not, might, might not be tough to you. But I know who he is in me and I know who he is in my life. Which one do you know God as? Are you, are you an impersonal knower or are you a personal knower of God? You and I cannot define who we are until we define who he is. Creation cannot define itself without first defining its creator. And if we would take the time to know Jesus and not just what he's done for us, then our confidence and trust in him will begin to grow. I don't know about you, but I want to know who Jesus is. When was the last time this morning when you woke up? Anybody complain this morning when you woke up? Tell the truth. Be honest. You complained. Did you complain about your body? Uh, uh, or did you complain you had to wake up? Amen. <laughs> Okay, you complain you have to wake up. Could you imagine what you'd have complained about if you didn't wake up? See, here's what I'm trying to help you understand. You complain about the things, the, 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 the incidental little fragment pieces of your existence. And you complain about, oh, I had to wake up. Or, oh, can I just say this? And I don't mean this to be rude. Maybe if you'd have gone to bed a little earlier, it would have been easier to wake up. But here's the truth of it. We don't go to bed early because we have no expectation of what Sunday might bring. Trying to help you this morning. I'm trying. I really am trying. I know, Pastor, don't be mean. I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm trying to help you understand. I'm a better preacher when I get a good night's sleep. Well, Pastor, I'm an insomniac because you don't rest in the Word. Well, Pastor, I'm having worries because you haven't trusted God yet. Pastor, I... See, I can do this all morning long. Because people always ask me, Pastor, can I come, can I, can I come to you? Yeah, but I'm going to tell you where to go when it's over. 
Because I'm going to tell you to go to the one that I have to go to. You ever ask your question, where does pastor go? Now the old song, I go to the rock. Hello? Where do I stand on when I'm going through it? When the waves are crashing and all hell's breaking loose, where do I stand? I'm trying to get you to stand in the same place, but the only reason I can stand on that rock, baby, is because I know who I'm standing on. Go with me this morning to the book of John chapter 4. Pastor, you just now starting? Yep, just now starting. Amen. <laughs> book of John chapter 4. When you got it, say, I got it. If you don't open your Bible, say, I don't have it. I knew there was some of y'all in this room. Amen. It's okay. The book of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. While you're turning, I'm going to drink some water. Amen. The book of John chapter 4 says this. You ready? Hold on, hold on. Take that off the screen for a second. Go back to, my, go back to the house screen for a second because I need to do something. Are you ready? Yeah. Mm -mm. Nope. Are you ready? Yeah. See, I, there's something that God's been dealing with my heart, and my wife said it even this morning. What do you pray? You pray the word, right? But the word doesn't become powerful until there's expectation placed on it. If I'm getting ready to read the word of God, I don't care if you've read this scripture 15 million times, it still has power. So if I ask you, are you ready? You have an expectation that what I'm about to read from scripture is about to wreck your existence and take you to the promise that he has for you. So let me ask you one more time before I start reading this scripture. Are you ready? Good. I just want to make sure. The book of John chapter 4 verse 25, it says this. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. Over these next few weeks, I just want to preach to you a message I've simply entitled, I am. Because here's the truth of it. We've spent more time talking about who he was rather than who he is. Why would you follow an old thing rather than follow what is right now? Jesus is not a history lesson. Jesus is a right now thing. Jesus is not what once took place. Jesus is a right now thing. And in order for you to understand that, I need to give you these verses so that you understand that he is not some old history lesson, but he is the right now current thing. Let me tell you something. You want to know why churches are emptying and people are choosing other religions? Because the church has made Jesus a history lesson rather than the right now thing. So let me recap the storyline that we leads to us at this point. Jesus has left Judea on his way to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria to get there and stopped at the village of Sychar. It is there that in his weariness that he takes a break and sits beside Jacob's well. And there's a whole other message in that, but I'm not getting into that this morning. We get into verse 7 where it says this. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied to her, if you only knew the gift God has for you. Just so I get back to that statement I was making any further. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift who? He didn't say I. You read that? I looked at that. I looked at that over and over, read it from five different translations. It says, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Look at verse 10 for just a second. Jesus replied, if you 
only knew. This woman was so caught up in what was not supposed to be that she could not receive the one who was and is and is yet to come. His response to her was, if you only knew. Can I just ask you this question? Have you ever wondered if Jesus says the same thing to you? If they only knew. Watch this. I really believe this with everything in me, that a lot of what we declare and what we say out of our mouths is a lack of knowledge of who Jesus is. Okay, okay I'm, I'm going to give it to you. Don't get mad at me this morning. I didn't come to make friends, but I did come to give you truth. Uh, how many of y'all ever said, I, I, it's killing me? Show me in Scripture. How many of y'all said, this is the worst day? Show me in Scripture. How many of y'all said, my family's broken? Show me in Scripture. Ah, how many of y'all said, I'm broke? Ah! Show me in Scripture. You can't. You want to know why? Because the word is contrary to every thought that you have. The word is contrary to every flesh moment that exists in you. And you got to let the knowledge of this word, which the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So when the word comes, it's like Jesus standing in the room. So when you get the word, you get God. When you get the word, you get Jesus. When you get the word, you get the Holy Spirit. You walk in the fullness of it. So to know the word is to know God. But yet we will say things that are completely contrary because our flesh is driven to, in sin nature to declare alternate what God's already declared over us. What if I told you that everything that you needed in this life was one statement out of your mouth away? Hello. What if I told you every victory that you've been looking for is one victory shout away? Not one complaint, one murmur, not one fuss, one Facebook post. Not everything else, but your declaration in a moment. But let me help you with something. You can't declare anything you don't know. Because if you declare something you do not have knowledge of, then it is just an opinion. And the problem in the church today is there are a lot of opinions, but no knowledge. We are lacking the knowledge of Christ. We are lacking in knowing who he is. And Jesus replies to this woman who is arguing with him, you're, you're, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. We shouldn't even be hanging out. And she goes, and can I just give you my translation? Jesus in there going, you dumb, moronic, blind, foolish person. You don't even know who I am. You have no clue who I am in this moment. I don't want to get ahead of it, but I got to tell a portion of what we read a minute ago where it says, it says in that scripture where she was talking to him and, and, and he, she said, the Messiah is coming. Oh, but the Messiah had already come. How many times do you wake up in the morning on a Sunday morning going, God's going to show up rather than he's already here? See, we have positioned ourselves to wait to put ourselves off at a moment until something changes rather than understanding that he's omnipresent, that he's always near us, that he's come to move in our lives. It does, we don't have to be in a right position. We just have to be available to receive him. But we think that, well, if I get to church, then God will move. Or if I go to my prayer closet, then he'll move. Or if I fast for three days, he'll move. No, he says, call upon me. Cry out to me in your wilderness. Call on my name. We can't even say Jesus because we're not sure who's going to come because we don't know him anymore. Jesus replied, if you, only, if you only knew. How many times have we been in a situation that if we listened hard enough, he would probably ask us the same question? 
Today we're so caught up with our own knowledge of him that we've stopped desiring to know him. We know, we know of him, but we don't try to find out who he really is. And because of that, we create an inability to even see who he is in each situation. Now watch this. I'll use the personal reference. You know, as the majority of this church, some of you that are new, you don't know this, but I've been battling for the last close to three years. I've been dealing with some heart issues in my chest. And, and people have come to me and said, Pastor, I believe it's an attack of the enemy. I believe that I believe that I believe that the enemy's trying to snuff you out. And and I understand those, and I and I understand that the word says that the enemy goes to and fro throughout the earth seeking whom he may devour. But may is a conditional word of permission. And the only reason the enemy gets me is because I give him permission. And the only reason I would give him permission is because I thought he was stronger than the God that I served. And so before you get lost in the thought process of me getting trapped in the mental place of thinking that, oh, I got to go hide because the enemy is coming for me. No, no, no. I turn around and face the enemy because you cannot conquer what you're not willing to confront. And I look him dead in the face and I go, listen, I know you think you've got the story, but I've read a book that's bigger than you. One that's lasted the test of time. One that says whether I'm here or there in the end, I win. I know who he is. I know who I am and I know where I'm going. So please back off because you have no purpose in my existence. And then I start to walk out of the struggle. And then the things subside. See, we are stuck in the conditions of our existence because we do not declare the I am. We declare who we are rather than who he is. No wonder you're still stuck in the hospital. No wonder you're still stuck in your condition. How did blind Bartimaeus get healed? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. How did, the, how did the woman with the issue of blood get made whole in one touch of the hem of his garment? Because she did not press in, press through a crowd so that she could make an indelible mark on the community so that the community could see her. She just wanted to touch the one that she knew if she could grab a hold of who he was, that power would flow through her and the issue that she had dealt with would be dried up in a moment. I, I, that, that takes some knowledge. It wasn't like the woman sitting there, well, yeah, the Messiah, we hear he's coming. No, she said, I know he's coming and I'll be ready when he gets there. Blind Bartimaeus sat outside the gate for 32 years and everybody goes, you're an idiot. He goes, nope, there's one to come. And I've said this before and it hits me every time I think about this. The Bible says that he heard the clangs of the buckles on his sandals and knew it was Jesus. Do you understand how much knowledge has to be in a person to know the sound of a sandal that he's never heard before? The knowledge was not in the person. The knowledge was in the presence that was coming to deliver him. And he just happened to be in the right place at the right time. I need you to only know if you only knew, if you only knew, you'd stop looking at your life as some pitiful party. You would start looking at it as the, the thing that God has called you to walk out and to finish the race of. You would stop looking at your existence, wondering when it's going to change and understand that now is the moment of change. If you only knew. It goes on in verse 11. She says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she says. And this well's very deep. Where would you get this living water from? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestors, Jacob, who gave us the well? See, she didn't even have a knowledge of the God that gave Jacob the well. But yet had knowledge of a Messiah that would come tell her everything. 
She didn't even go back to see how how the Messiah was going to come. She didn't even refer back to the God of Isaac and Jacob. She just referred back to Jacob. Be careful that the thing that leads you back to the promise is not people. I love my mama, but she can't do nothing for me. And I know she would love to, and I know she'd probably tell you, I'll lay down my life for him, but she can't because one already has. And there is nothing that she can do that will trump what he's already done. There is not. I love my mama, but there's nothing she can do. I can't run to her. Somebody goes, did, did you talk to her? Well, I got to talk to her for Well, I got to tell her everything. But, but she's your mom. And now she's sitting there going, but you need to tell me everything. <laughs> when I went to the hospital last time, I waited like a day before I called anybody. Pastor, how dare you? You need to tell your, why? Why do I need to tell everybody? I know what's going to happen. I'm coming out this thing. Why do I got to get worked up in all this foolishness that I don't, that I walk in and I start declaring something different than the God that I know? Oh, I'm trying to help. When you don't know who he is, there will always be questions, doubt, and unbelief. Jesus is sitting in the area. She's arguing with how he's even going to get a drink of water. How is he going to get this living water? And she starts questioning. How many times have you questioned God? Just just smile, and I won't know it's you. How many times have you had doubt and unbelief? Just keep smiling. I'll know it's you. Amen. We spend more time doing these things than we do finding out who he is. The last time you had a problem, did you consult the manual to find out how the answer is written? I love when people come, Pastor, I'm so sick in body. Wow. I hear you, but where is that? Pastor, I'm, uh, the doctor says I'm dying. you got to pray. I've never found a scripture that says my prayers outweigh God's purpose. And, and, and let me just say this as a sidebar. Please stop praying prayers to bend God's will. When people ask me, Pastor, why, why do you go through all these struggles? His plan, not mine. Pastor, why, why is your heart not his plan, not mine? But doesn't it put, yeah, it puts stress, but it also increases my faith. Through every test and trial, God always makes a way of escape. I know that everything is so that my faith might be strengthened. It's not just tested, but strengthened so that I might have endurance to finish the race that has been set before me. I don't look at it as a problem. I find the promise in the middle of it. I know it sucks that I'm laying in a hospital bed hooked up to 42 wires and having beep, 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 and somebody waking you up every three hours to give you a shot or pull blood or do whatever they want to do to you. Yes, all of that is horrible. But there's a purpose. There's a plan. And if I hold on to my word long enough, what my word declares over me, that I shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. As long as I keep declaring the works of the Lord, I shall live. See, I'm trying to help you get this. It's because I have knowledge of who he is. Not knowledge of a church service, not knowledge of a church, not knowledge of a Sunday attendance, not, not knowledge of paying my penance, hoping God will let me in the gate beautiful, but knowing him. Here's the story. I think a lot of people are going to get to heaven. Jesus is going to stand right in front of them. They're going to walk right past him. Because they really don't even know who he is. They've just heard about him. It's sad that in today's culture, we know more about celebrities than we do about the Jesus we say we serve. When you know who I am is, then you don't posture yourself with doubt, but you position yourself with faith. 
I might not know where he's going to get living water from, but if he said it, that settles it. I'm just going to wait right here for it. Watch this, watch this. How many of y'all, watch this. How many of y'all know you need, you, you're in the room, you say, I need a healing. I need God to heal my body. I know you're in this room. Don't, well, don't look at me like I'm crazy. I know most of y'all's stories. I need a healing in my body. What, what if I told you? What if I, what, what if I told you? I know it's going to sound crazy. But, but what if I told you it's already healed? You just haven't grabbed it yet. See, that changes your conversation, doesn't it? It changes your commitment level to the pain, and it changes your commitment level to the promise. Oh, we were so committed to the pain and struggle because we've been conditioned to live in pain and struggle, not the promises that God has for us. I do not have a heart condition. My heart just needs to start understanding what God's already declared over it. See, this is, this is where people get messed up. My marriage will never be broken because my marriage is God's. It's not mine. When I try to fix it, it doesn't work. But when he gets in the mix, he always makes it work. And let me help with something, 80% of it's my fault. And my wife said, you know, so I'm not looking at it right now, right? Because she's still going to own that 20% before I get home today. Amen. She's like, she goes, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I know who I am. I know who my children are. Oh, my gosh. I know. Why? Because I know what my word says. I know what he's declared over me. I know what I can be. I know where I'm going. I know that the living water is coming, and, baby, I want some of that water. In verse 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. Can I just take a sidebar? Those who keep drinking their own desires will soon be thirsty again, but those who desire a relationship with Jesus will never be. He says, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Can I just say this to you? I need you to understand. If you get me talking about God, this is how I talk all the time. My wife says, that's your preacher voice. No, ask Dr. Brett at the chiropractic clinic. When we start talking about Jesus, I get pumped. I start, woo why? Because it bubbles up on the inside of me. My life is just my life. But when you start talking about what I know about the goodness of God, man, a smile goes to my face. I don't care how much pain my body's in. I know my promises. That was half of the room. I'm preaching better than you're shouting this morning. Can, can I just say this in another sidebar? I don't want to be a cheerleader. I want to be a point direction sign. Just go get it. Pastor, how do you have all this? How do you? Hey, look, I know I tell you all every Sunday I drink like a big coffee. I only drink like this much this morning. And this is all happening? It's because God is that good. When was the last time you reflected the goodness of God, not the goodness of your own existence? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. Anybody who comes to church just to play church will walk out the same. Anybody who reads their Bible because it says it's the church thing to do. Oh, can I give you a revelation I gave somebody the other day? This is a good one. You ready? It's a really good one. I despise Bible reading plans. I despise them. I hate them. I know the Bible says you shouldn't hate anything. I hate them. I think they're a trick of the enemy. Let me explain to you why I think they're a trick of the enemy. How many of y'all are good on about the first six days of your Bible reading plan? Amen? 
What happens on day seven? <laughs> then what happens on day eight is you try to double up and read to catch up to where you were in the plan. Here's the truth of it. You're only reading for head knowledge, not heart knowledge. And so we, we get, so this is, how I, this is how I read my Bible. I read something, and it becomes life, right? And then I let it sit. Is a steak better marinated or not marinated? When you let it marinate, it gets good flavor. It gets, oh, it's just tender. It's all, some of y'all getting hungry right now. Amen. And Joey, the cooking room, he's like, praise the Lord. Marinate that steak, baby. And, and, and so, so we don't sit on the word. We just read the word because we think the more we read, because we've been, we've been cultured and conditioned to believe that knowledge is power. Knowledge is not power. Knowledge is dangerous. What if God held you accountable for every scripture you've read? Ah, I got tight in the room real quick. Y'all felt the room go, all the air got sucked out right there. What if God held you accountable for every scripture you read? Even the ones you skimmed over but said you read. The reason I despise Bible reading plans is because it conditions us to get through the book as quickly as possible rather than letting the word become life so that we might know him. So I sit on a read of scripture. I was sharing this with somebody this week. I said, sit on a word and let it sit. And then wait for it to manifest. And once it manifests, pick your Bible back up and read. Let me help you with something. Word time doesn't mean you read every day. Word times means it dwells in you and takes root in you. So watch this. Is how, this is my word time. This is how my word time works. I read a word, then I share the word. If I can't share it yet, it hasn't taken root yet. So once it's taken root, then I share it. I'm still in my word, Jack. You, but you're not reading your Bible because you, you can read your Bible. What do you say? The word hath I hid where? Not in my book. It has to become heart knowledge, take root, then it gets delivered. And then you go get more so that you might give it away again. You know how much I'm in my word? Every day. But Pastor, I don't see you open up your Bible every day. I don't need to open up my Bible every day. I am a carrier of the word. Y'all ever seen that movie called The Book of Eli? I like that movie. That's a cool movie. Denzel's bad in that movie. Amen. But he gets to the very end of the movie, and, and, and he's sitting in there, and they go, he goes, I have the word. Y'all, some people miss this one. I, I see sermons in every movie I watch. He goes, I have, the, I have the Bible. I have a copy of the Bible. And they're like, where? This is the one book we can't seem to find. He says, I have the Bible. And it shows in the end of the movie that he's laying down with writers, and he's literally quoting Scripture. God never called you to carry a book. He called you to become the book. And the only way you become the book is when you have a knowledge of who he is and you understand who he is in your life and you can declare it to the world so that it takes root in the world. Ah, you got to get to know him. When you don't know who Jesus is and you can't step into a spiritual walk but will be trapped in the frustrations of your carnality, she was only concerned about satisfying herself instead of her eternity. When you know Jesus, you will always want to know where you're going with him rather than being consumed with leaving. When you know who he is, you stop running and start following. The word Christian, I've said this to you over the years. The word Christian, most people don't really understand this, but the word Christian was a derogatory term. It was a segregation term. It was not used to identify those who were in right standing with the Father or followers of Christ. They were, they were labeled as the crazy folk who were following that Jesus guy. But yet we run around, and every time I read my Bible, in, in all the different versions I read, I keep hearing the word believer. He, God even declares us to be believers. 
Because if you believe, then you have faith. And the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so I, I hold on to these words. But, but I've, I've learned over the years that we have adapted ourselves to just be the crazy followers. But where are we going? Where are we, where are we headed in this? What's the end result for you? Well, I know if I go to church and I try my best, I'll get into heaven. I hate, I hate to say this to you, and I know it's old school preaching, but that's not what the book says. The book says if you try your best, God says he who endures till the end shall be saved. What does endurance look like? Endurance doesn't get three miles down the road and go, I quit. Endurance says, I might have to walk, but I'm going to still keep moving forward. Endurance says, there's a finish line ahead of me, and I won't stop short of it until I cross it. Then I'll be saved. But we don't teach that in the church. We teach, just come to church. Get plugged in. You'll make it. High five, you're in sin. God will get you out of it. No, the Bible says the wages of sin is what? death separation from God and this is not popular preaching in the church anymore because nobody wants to talk about sin because sin is just a bad word and we don't want to say it because it's just not fair and I don't want to go to hell I want to go to heaven that's how church folk act I don't want to go to hell then stop acting like hell and let heaven become your reality verse 16 I'm almost done I promise Verse 16, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Ooh, I, like I love when Jesus turns the script, flips the script real quick. He's like sitting there, can I get a cup of water? She's like, no, dummy, you don't have a bucket and this living water that you're talking about. And then Jesus goes, do me a favor, go get your husband. She goes, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're right, you don't, for you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. Jesus is like, <laughs> you certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it? I just, you ever read scripture on time and you go, God, they're really bright, aren't they? Amen. Well, praise God for them. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? Why, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worship? I got like nine sermons right out of that one piece right there. Just because my mama worships somewhere doesn't mean that's where I need to worship to. Hello. I can tell this story when my mama's sitting in the room. I remember when I was like 17, 18, and I, I was sitting at home, and I was watching a TV show called Without Walls, and, and, and I was impelled. I was compelled. I wanted to go to this church, and I went to my mama, and I said, I'm going to go to that church next Sunday. And she went and said, what? We go to church as a family. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but I can't. I got to go here. It was hard to break that cycle, but I can't chase the God that she serves. I got to chase the God that he's calling me to serve. And it's not that they're different, but we're called into different areas. We're called by different names. I am not my mama. Aren't you glad? I mean, I might resemble my mama, but I don't look like my mama. And I'm sure I'm glad my mama don't look like me. Amen. And if she did, that'd be just creepy. And, and so I, I understand those things. And as long as all of my babies look like my wife, we're good. Amen. 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 Somebody amen me. Thank you, Mr. Pat. I appreciate that. We'll have an altar call for you in a minute. Amen. Okay. Um, just kidding because I love you. The truth be told at the end of this thing is I, I can't chase the God that she met. My younger brother said this to me when he was about 17. He says, I don't want your God. I want God for me. 
I don't want him because you told me a bunch of good stories. I want him to be good to me. I don't want him because he delivered you. I want him to deliver me. So stop telling me to chase the God that delivered you and let me chase the God that will deliver me. And I went, God, that's revelation right there. Because how many times do we try to convince everybody to chase to serve the God that's delivered us? I'm, I'm delivered from a heart condition. My wife doesn't have a heart condition. So when I start telling her about the goodness of God concerning my heart, she hears the stories, but they don't resonate in her. But then she can see where God's done things in her, and I don't resonate on those stories. But I celebrate them, but they don't change me, but they changed her. There's this thing of knowledge, of understanding who he is so that we can be changed. This woman says, yeah, I got a husband. He goes, yeah, you had five, and the one you're with, you're not even married to. And then she starts arguing with him again. Like, okay, I'm going to give you living water. I basically told you you're junk. And then you're going to start arguing, why you Jews insist? It's the same thing we do to God when God tells us to change our lives. And we go, God, why do you you always want me to do something different? Because where you are is not where I called you. Because maybe what you're doing is going to kill you. Maybe I really came to save you. Maybe I really came so that you might die and not die in sin. <laughs> so tell me, why is it that you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place of worship? While we Samaritans claim it is here. Stop getting lost in where you worship. Just worship. He's trying to show her who he is by uncovering a place of shame and hurt so that she might become free. But in her struggle, she only speaks from once again what she knows. If we know God, then we know that he came to set us free. But when we lack that understanding, we overlook his purpose and are consumed only by what we know and not who he is and why he came. Verse 21, it says, Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Look back at verse 23. It says, the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. In what way? But it says he's looking. Has he found it yet? Because the word looking is defined as this. Seeking, searching, redeeming, defining, strengthening, calling, purposing, positioning. Those who will what? Worship him in spirit and in truth. In what two areas? The spirit is the worship and the truth is the word. You will get to know God. You will get to know him in his greatest form if you become a worshiper in spirit and in truth. Through your worship and in your word. The two ways to know who he is better than any other is through your worship and through your word. John 4, 25 through 26 says this. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. The moment she started to get to know him, her speech changed. 
She went from questions and doubts to declarations. When you know him, your vocabulary will change. And I've said this. I laid this out through the whole message. My vocabulary changes everything. My words change everything. If God spoke something into nothing and created everything, and he says that the same spirit now dwells in you, then when you speak something, what does it do? It lays it in the atmosphere. It lays it in the cosmos of life. It lays it before you. Your words are the road path that you choose to walk. If I came here every Sunday and said, it's just a matter of time before I die, you wouldn't stay in this church long. Because you would say there's no future for this house. But what I do understand is whether I'm here or whether I'm there, there's a group of people in this room that believe God, love God, serve God, and will keep running with God. I'm not going to declare the end. I'm only going to declare the promise. The moment she started to get to catch a glimpse of who he was or declared that the Messiah was coming, her speech began to change. Have you checked your speech lately? Have you checked what comes out of your mouth? Because I'm going to tell you something. As the pastor of this house, I talk to a lot of people sometimes that have no knowledge of who God is. They don't even know who Jesus is because they're still stuck where they were before Jesus even came. Or they've disconnected from the elder brother and run back to the sin lifestyle or are still teeter-tottering with life, playing back and forth. I am not who I once was, for I, the old have passed away and all things have become new. I am not the old person. I am not the old sinful person. I'm, I'm, can, I just, can I just lay it out for you? I'm not the lying, conniving, stealing, cheating, pornography-addicted jailbird that I used to be. Pastor, how can you say all that? Because, see, that's the former me. That's the old guy that God saved me from. That's the guy that God delivered me from. I will tell you this because I know who he is. Because I started reading the book, and the book never said I was a lying, conniving, stealing, cheating, pornography-addicted jailbird. It says that I'm the promise. I'm the righteousness of my daddy. It says you're the righteousness of your father who you know that's in heaven. When I started to get to know him, I stopped living in my old lifestyle. I didn't even want the old junk anymore. I didn't want to do the old stuff anymore. I didn't even pick up the old mess anymore. I said, no, that's not even me. He said, well, how did you change? Because I got to know him. When you know him, you'll declare him. And the world will see him. But if you don't, when this life is over, hell will receive you. I found this little video on the internet. It spoke to me. I hope it will speak to you too. It's over now. There's no more purpose for my lungs because I'm not breathing. If I thought that I was still alive, then I think I was dreaming. I just left the earth. My soul escaped my body now. I'm dead. And I'm rising into the heavens to find out what lies ahead. This life is over. And my time is done on earth. There's no more stressing. I'm about to meet the one that gave me all my life and blessings. Now it's time to hear his voice. And it's time to feel his embrace. And it's that time to meet my God. And now 
it's time to see his face. I'm at the gate, and I don't want to wait. I want to see my savior. I'm going to feel his presence, have his safety, and bathe in his favor. Wait, they open up the gates, and sunlight dances through the entrance. If I was alive, I'd pass out from the beauty of his presence. I can sense him all around me. I can feel him every place. He's here. I feel it, but that's not enough. I want to see his face. They close the gate as I walk in. Now any memories are useless. Any earthly love is worthless because no other can produce this. So much color, so much life and wind and sun and love and music, so much happiness. God loves us and this paradise can prove it. Oh, where's he at though? I just want to see his face. I'll be around it. And I'm walking on the streets of gold, but I ain't getting my crown yet. Wait, I feel something. I turn around and I catch eyes with his. And I've never seen him before, but I still know who it is. Right now, I'm face to face with Jesus, looking God right in the eyes. Immediately I bowed, and if I was alive, I would have cried. Now God was always right beside me, but I see him. I can touch him. I'll exhort him. I'm going to praise and magnify him because I love him. And I tell him, you're my king. This happiness cannot be doubled. You're my rock, my life, my ever-present help in times of trouble. And I love you. God, I love you. For eternity, I'll show you. But he looks me in the eye. And then he whispers, do I know you? <laughs> Do you know me? Yeah, you made me. I was in church every service. But he tells me church without applying what you learned is worthless. But I was a choir member. I praised you with poems and acting. But he says he checked the book of life and that my name was absent. And I'm laughing like, there must be a mistake. I just won't hear it. Then he says I praised him, but I didn't have him in my spirit. I can't bear it. Laurel thought I gave you praise wholeheartedly. But then he turns his head away. And then he says, depart from me. I start to scream, but it's too late. Immediately I feel the flame and I'm ashamed. It's me to blame. I could have stopped all of this pain. Life ended like this for me? This ain't how I wanted to conclude. That's what in real life it won't be. But don't let this be your future. You may go to church, but man, you gotta live it. Don't be two-faced. Don't be hypocrites, guys. Don't be dogs and ladies. Don't be loose days. We ain't got no time. So right now, drop the gangs and lift your hands and let them in before it ends. Let's praise them while we have the chance. That'll get you, won't it? Woo. I showed it to my son last night. He goes, dang. <laughs> Where are we going? I don't know yet. But I knew doing this one thing. That the relationship that I desire with God only comes if I choose to follow Jesus. And I've been the woman at the well one too many times arguing with him. He says, Ryan, I've come to give you something better. Come on, man, like, it's not that bad. Brian, I've come to deliver you. Yeah, I heard there's one that's going to deliver me out of this. I haven't seen him yet. Your struggles, your circumstances, your situations are just 
because you've chosen to build a house out of words and knowledge of the pain and the struggle rather than tear the walls down and build it by the knowledge of him. I've learned over the years that valleys only come because I choose to stay in them. Not because I choose to make them stepping stones to the next level of my existence. I've learned that no matter what and everything that I say and do has to have a God attachment or yet I can't make it through. I've had to explain to my family that you don't get me without God. I think that every time I declare that, God says, you don't get me without Brian. I've latched myself to who he is. I've latched myself to his purpose and plan for my life. And whether that has me connected with everybody or alone, it doesn't matter. Because I told God long time ago that if I died this life without you, I couldn't make it. But if I finished it with you, I would gain everything. I had to be willing to walk away from a marriage, from children, from ever being what my flesh desired to be happy, to cling to a one that promised me happiness before I was ever born. Yet for some reason on the inside of me, and I will say this with her in the room, I am more satisfied with my God than I am with my own family. Because it is my satisfaction with God that brought me my family. It was those lonely nights where I thought that I would never have anything, but yet I kept lifting my hands. I kept laying on my floor. I kept worshiping him, and I kept with a desire to know him more. It was forgetting the things which were behind me, the voices and the naysayers and the ones that said, you'll never make it. And it was focusing on the one that was calling me by name and saying, come. But my way is greater. God, I got too much stuff. I've made too many mistakes. But Brian, don't you understand that my blood erased and took away all those weights? So God, help my mind and help my heart to stay focused. I know they say in your word that I can't handle your glory and that no one has seen you face to face. But God, I desire so that when I get to heaven, I don't wonder if it's you coming, but I see you. Because I know you. The reason the prodigal son's brother got mad it's not only because he didn't take his responsibility to retrieve his brother. But I believe that everything within me, I believe that that brother never took the time to let his other brother know who he was for him. I'm not broken. I'm not hurting. I'm not lost. I'm not confused. Do I get weary at times? Yeah. Do I get exhausted? Oh, yeah. But I go to the one who strengthens me. Because he said, in my weakness, he is made strong. And if he dwells in me, if he's strong, then so am I. 
God has a desire for you to have an amazing relationship with him, to come into his presence, to come into his house. Like David said, that I might gaze upon your beauty and that, my, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord, in the house of God all the days of my life. This is the end result, but Jesus is the access point. Why is it that we will not follow him all the way home? We keep stopping short and saying we've arrived. Jesus, I'll follow you as long as the path looks okay, but if it gets tumultuous, I'm backing out. And obviously you don't know who the one that's leading you. Because the one that's leading you might lead you on a rocky path, but he'll hold your hand through it until you come out on the other side. Why is it we won't take the time to get to know him so that we can finally make our way into heaven? The worst thing that could ever be said to me, and I've said this over the years, is him to look at me. For him to tell me, depart from me, I don't even know you. As much as I want my wife and my kids to celebrate with me in heaven, I'm more consumed by his reception of me when I enter heaven. I'm more consumed that I walk and follow Jesus so that I finish this race. Or am I just more consumed about playing church on Sundays? Masquerading around the building that you might see my face. I, I don't know where it's got to shift and I don't know where it's going to change. But I hope as your pastor, you'll see it in me first so that we can finish this race. The days of playing church are over. The days that singing songs and saying, look how good church was, is over. The world is waiting to see a body of people who will follow Jesus and walk in to his kingdom. Everybody stand to your feet.